0: Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast, providing news and insights to the Milwaukee business community. In this episode, our podcast partner, Beth Ridley, with The Brimful Life, interviews Lyle Landowski, partner and COO of Collier's International. Lyle shares his strategy for ensuring culture continues to be a differentiator at Collier's amidst rapid industry changes and company growth. Let's listen in.
1: Welcome to the Brimful Life podcast series, a partnership with BizTimes Media, your locally owned source for news, analysis, and insights for southeastern Wisconsin business leaders and career and cultural wellness company, The Brimful Life, that provides solutions to achieve professional well-being and organizational health. In this series, we make business personal by getting to know inspiring business leaders that you should know. We chat with them about their leadership journeys, lessons learned along the way, and their leadership insights. I'm your host, Beth Ridley, and today I'm sitting down with Lyle Landowski, partner and COO at the Milwaukee office for Colliers International, a global leader in real estate services. I
0: think our industry is changing, you know, like many extremely fast right now, and uh, you have to be prepared to adapt to it. And uh, I think we're, um, we're really a sort of bracing for that, but we already have been. A lot of the work has been done.
1: Lyle shares with me his strategy for ensuring culture continues to be a differentiator at Collier's amidst rapid industry changes and company growth. Let's meet Lyle. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to be here. Um, all right. So as a start, tell me a little bit about your journey to Collier's. Yeah. How did that happen?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I'll give you the short version. I, I went to school at St. Norbert College uh, for business and leadership. Um, so it's one of the first uh, programs to offer a minor in leadership studies. So that really set the trajectory. I knew I was going to be in business. Um, didn't know I would end up in real estate uh, until my sister actually uh, did in the West Coast and said, hey, you should look at real estate. So I had a history throughout college, kind of selling my way through school, earning an income in really sales and door-to-door sales. Um, so I cut my teeth on that and uh, got started at a local real estate company. Uh, and in about a year in, was approached um, by what a company at the time was named Inland, now Collier's. Um, is the global global brand that we affiliate with but it's a locally owned company uh, and they approached me and uh, offered me an opportunity to work for them and to work on a downtown high-rise leasing assignment uh, that was really exciting uh, so I made the change and honestly really haven't looked back since it's been fun
1: nice and so how long have you been with Collier's?
0: I've been with Collier's since 2006 okay. and when we started or when I started there there was probably 30, 35 people, Uh, and between all of our different entities, uh, there's probably about 200 people. So between property management, brokerage, facilities, construction, architecture, uh, brokerage, et cetera. Um, we have all of those people and they're all local. So, nice. you know, we're really a locally
1: owned company. Nice. So, uh, a lot of growth and it continues. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So, but you were telling me a little bit about like, you didn't really think or see yourself in real estate, mm-hmm. maybe not even at a company like Inland, but then you landed there yep. because it was like how, you, how you viewed their culture that mm-hmm. you thought was kind of refreshing. So say a little bit about your first experience with the company.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I would have ended up uh, in real estate uh, or made it in real estate uh, if it wasn't for Inland, you know, now Collier's. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, I think real estate's interesting. I do enjoy it, um, and there's lots of – it's a great business and uh, industry to be in, uh, but it was never really my motivating factor. I wasn't one of these guys that grew up you know, looking at real estate and saying, I can't wait to own my own real estate. Um, I've learned the craft and uh, I've really become uh, proficient in the subject matter, so to speak. But really what's always been attractive to me is the people. And so in real estate um, and at Inland, the opportunity that they gave me was to be a leader, you know, really to take leadership initially on accounts, right? So here's your responsibility and go execute. We're not going to babysit you, but we're here to mentor, to help in any way. But at the end of the day, if you make it or you don't, it's going to be because of you. Uh, where the business at that time was a little... Bit more archaic. You had to sort of quote unquote put your time in, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so uh, they weren't really into that. It was more about what are your soft skills, you know, what what abilities do you have as it relates to relationship management, what mm-hmm. kind of work ethic. Where in the industry at that time, it was more so, you know, what do you know about real estate, and they would they would kind of pin you down on how long you went, did you go to real estate school, mm-hmm. what was your experience. They threw all of that out the window. Scott and Mike, the two owners and said, uh, we think you get it and we're going to give you an opportunity. And uh, honestly, that's what they've been doing ever since I've gotten here, which has been really fun.
1: Nice. So I think for a young person just starting out in their career where you don't have a ton of work history, that's really refreshing and empowering, really. right? Absolutely. And it's funny because I think that they were probably a little bit ahead of their time. I think more companies are moving towards, you know what? It's hard to find people. It's hard to find top talent anyway, mm-hmm. but it's hard to find people with the exact specific technical skills or the exact specific background. But as long as somebody is you know open-minded, positive, and wants to learn and grow. Want to give them an opportunity. So I think you know that was that was clearly a differentiator for you, and it helped to lead you and attract you to that company.
0: Absolutely, and I would say it's still the same today. You know, yeah. we've we've continued in that. Um, we really believe, as as Scott and Mike did with me, you can train the soft skills. Or, I mean, you can tra- if you have the soft skills. Yeah. Uh, we call it you know, the e- EQ, essentially, yeah. emotional intelligence. They can train the real estate. We can train the real estate. And that's probably true for most industries. Yeah. Uh, the subject matter, sort of what your industry you're in, you can learn that over time. Yeah. But if you don't have the relationship ability, you can't learn to be empathetic or you don't have the work ethic, yeah a lot harder to teach those things, a lot longer to teach those things.
1: So clearly you've always been sort of attracted to EQ. You said you got a degree in in leadership. And when I met you, I met you at a party, and I was like, ooh, what do you do? And you were like, well, I'm in real estate, but you know what, real estate's just real estate. It's the people that I love. I was like, oh, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) So you really get to put your leadership skills and those softer skills and those people relationship skills to work just happens to be in the real estate industry.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And because we've grown so much, uh, that's changed over time. And mm-hmm. so uh, I'm player coach, right? Yep. So I still do uh, work on transactions yep. uh, and I'm very involved in the real estate, but I would say a good percentage of my time now is helping to lead, uh, helping Scott and Mike essentially lead and run the company and the organization. And uh, when you go from the size we were to the size we are, What that leadership looks like uh, can be totally different.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. When you joined the company, you said 30 people?
0: Yep, right about About there. About 30.
1: Now you're over 200 Mm -hmm. and you continue to grow. And and you now, as a leader in the company, you are accountable for that culture. It really starts at the top. Mm -hmm. So how do you bring – well, first of all, maybe describe the culture at Collier's.
0: Yeah, so I can give you our core values, uh, which will mean a lot to us, but maybe a, a not a lot to the to the listeners out there. Um, but we describe them as warrior spirit.
1: Hmm. Warrior spirit. Right. Say more about that.
0: Yeah, so warrior spirit really captures this notion of uh, we want to be challenged. Uh, there's sort of this competitive spirit about us. There's uh, sort of a walk fast mentality. Um, And we're forever the underdog. Uh, And there's been a lot of consolidation in our industry. Almost all of our competitors are no longer locally owned. And so uh, the other part of it's being best in class. And then the final part is creative, innovative, enterprising. We're not waiting for somebody in New York or L.A. or Chicago to say, hey, here's your script. Execute this in Milwaukee. Uh, we really look to our people to do that. And we talk about this a lot in our interview process because we're not looking for people to come in and just execute what's in front of them. We really want them to think outside the box and take initiative and lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so warrior spirit is the way that we articulate that.
1: Okay, so a bunch of questions in terms of how this culture really comes to life. So let's first start with you. So again, as a leader of the company, the culture starts at the top. How do you bring this warrior spirit to life, either through your actions, through your Mm -hmm. words, communications, experiences on a day-to-day basis?
0: Yeah, this one's... um, this one's probably the easiest of the three. Uh, in some senses, uh, Scott, Mike, myself, uh, and the rest of the leadership team, uh, we just are all kind of wired that way. Okay. Um, so uh, we're willing to put in the time. So if there's a big pitch or a big opportunity, everybody rallies around the table. Um, everybody gets in, and uh, it isn't delegating it to another department or you know whatever it is. It's, hey, whatever it takes, let's do it. And um, that competition drives us in a certain sense. It's almost if that was missing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what would we be doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the constant change in our industry has made it a very competitive environment, um, but it's really helped motivate us. So we do model that, you know, throughout our whole organization.
1: And then um, you also said that you're looking for that um, quality Mm -hmm. in in terms of like a personality trait when you hire. How do you kind of screen for that?
0: Yeah, so we talk a lot about it. Um, we call it the the second of our core values is empathy. And it falls under that value. Uh, and empathy is really the golden rule, right? Um, but it's also EQ over IQ. That's what we're telling people we value. Um, and then uh, the third part of it is we operate on trust, not fear. So as we're going through the interview, we ask for a lot of – first of all, we look through their experiences. We check references after the interview. But we kind of get them talking, and we want to hear what they're sharing. And Are they sharing more uh, information about specific industry knowledge, or are they sharing more life stories and things that form their character? Uh, and then we do do some personality testing after as well. Uh, so so we're pretty rigorous on the front end um, on, on the people screening, and we've honestly ended up with some wonderful, wonderful people. We're very grateful. I think we've done a good job on the talent side.
1: So let me ask you, like with the, the type of culture that you are fostering and also hiring for, do you find that you end up with like a, like a certain personality type? So I'm wondering, you know, it sounds super entrepreneurial but competitive. Does that attract a certain type of person, and do you feel like you're overwrote? Uh, to maybe more of that personality type? Do you feel that Mm -hmm. you are lacking balance just in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, uh, one's character disposition? Maybe it's even introvert versus extrovert or. Yeah,
0: it's a phenomenal question. Um, I would say the third of our value, our third value is better together. And that's this notion of family, and we're an intensely collaborative organization, uh, and we really do celebrate everybody's different gifts. We've, we've inventoried those too. So I would say yeah, yes, honestly, there is some risk of over-rotating um, because everybody likes to focus on uh, maybe strengths uh, or opportunities that they see. Um, but I would say that the better together part of our, our organization, and that's kind of become our tagline, really galvanizes us and helps us celebrate the differences. Um, but really, we want people that know how to put others first. And, and if they have that, uh, I don't think we prioritize. Some people might be more naturally competitive uh, or more naturally an introvert. But as long as they really know how to put others first, our client and our customer, uh, we really think they'll fit into our our culture. Mm -hmm. And we celebrate what we, you know, integrity is sort of the virtue it's all built on, which means doing what's right. But it also means, you know, integer, oneness. We promote a unity of life. Mm -hmm. So we respect people are different. Mm -hmm. We respect that, you know, your social life, your personal life, your spiritual life, Mm -hmm. they're all kind of the same. And Mm -hmm. we ask people to invest in our company, but we want to invest all in them as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So you're really asking people to bring their full selves to work. Yeah. Um, then what about just sort of like diversity on um, other levels, whether it be gender or ethnicity, sexual orientation? Where would you say you are in the spectrum of diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion? And mm-hmm. how do you view that um, today and in the future for your company?
0: I would say we're early on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say our industry uh, is awful at this, honestly, yeah. and specifically within, in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, we're really, really bad at it. Marquette has a great program called Acre. Um, we do a lot uh, with them over the years. Uh, we do have some diversity. I would say maybe we're a little bit ahead of the market uh, that way. But uh, we're at a different point in our company uh, where I think we've done a good job with sort of the baseline cultural aspects now we're really investing in the next phase, mm-hmm. uh, which for us means digging a little deeper into purpose. You know, what's mm-hmm. our real purpose, mm-hmm. you know, from a human perspective to give back? Uh, we're doing more in the community. And then uh, um, a wonderful person, coworker of mine named Tammy Babish, who, who runs our property management group, but is really just a huge leader in our company, this year is heading up both a mentorship and a diversity, a mentorship for women, uh, and a diversity program, which will be actually ingrained with the community. She's already been meeting with people because we know it's a problem and we don't just want to live with it. We want to actually uh, figure out how to help solve it, not only for us, but for our community too.
1: Yeah. Well, I think your approach is spot on in terms of focusing on the foundational culture because you can't recruit diversity, however diversity is defined in terms of what you're lacking, Mm. into a broken, messed up culture. So you are focusing on really being clear on the culture. And I think what you mentioned, clarity on purpose, is really important because it almost doesn't matter your gender, race, sexual right. orientation. People want to feel that they are a part of a bigger, higher purpose collected totally together. Good. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I get it. Like your industry is sort of lacking in diversity and um Maybe the particulars of our city, but you're at least focusing on the foundation so that when you do right. attract more diverse yes. talent, they're stepping into like a healthy organization.
0: Absolutely, that, that we can support them. All
1: right. So, um, growth continues. Tell me a little bit about, you know, there's some really like attractive aspects of your company now mm-hmm. in the sense that started out scrappy, underdog, small, mm-hmm. can do spirit, entrepreneurial. But as you grow and grow and grow, yeah. what's going to prevent you from just becoming? coming corporate and, you know, everybody has to stay in their lane and, you know, policies and bureaucracy. Why do you guys think that you'd be any different as you achieve <laughs> a certain degree of growth? Uh,
0: you know, we've uh, we've talked about that and uh, we have sort of a radical commitment. And, and again, I'll point to Scott and Mike to staying locally owned. Um, I've been investing along with some other partners here in Milwaukee in the company uh, so that we can stay locally owned as there's this influx of uh, international consolidation, much like in the accounting industry, we see it in the real estate industry. So we're we're sort of radically committed to that. Um, but even still, we're growing for a local organization. Uh, and we have had to implement a little bit more process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through a process called EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial mm-hmm. Operating System, which really forced us to balance ourselves a little bit more. Uh, and we're really good at the people side, the vision side. Not so good at um, some of the um, more objective and process-related pieces. Now we've sort of rounded ourselves out there, um, but I would say what keeps us effective and focused on that is our client. And what I mean by that is, as as there's been consolidation in the industry, there's been frustration from a client perspective and the customer saying. I really need you to do this. And XYZ company couldn't do this for me because I had to fit into their system. And we get that feedback consistently and it's sort of renewed this radical commitment to say, we don't wanna be like that. So let's stay committed to being highly integrated between all of our different service lines, but also highly personal and customized and investing in that relationship. So for us, that means we've invested in new areas that we've never invested. And specifically for us, technology. Um, we've really invested a lot to make sure um, that we're staying ahead of the game from a marketing um, research and then technology how we integrate with our clients and make sure that we can be nimble um, and meet their needs
1: so when you think about your own leadership, mm-hmm. what are your own blind spots that you're working on that you know you would be even a better leader if you continue to work on this because it may not be innate to your you know your natural strengths where where do you feel like you have to put an effort in terms of your own development.
0: Yeah. A uh, timely question because yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, you know, I think in general um, I'm passionate and I'm very excitable uh, and I bring a lot of energy to what I do. Uh, so generally if you come to me with an opportunity, uh, the first thing I'm going to say is yes. Uh-huh. And uh, you get to a point in your life because personal and professional commitments and spiritual and, and, and social and everything else – where you can't keep saying yes. And one of the lessons I've learned recently uh, is when you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really thinking through that a little bit uh, right now. And I think um, I've probably overcommitted in some of those areas. And so I think, number one, I need to be more available. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just, I'm a little too frenetic, you know, running around and not available enough to my partners, to the organization at times, uh, or even my family, you know, honestly, at times. So that's one, Uh, I think. Uh, listening, and when you're slowing down, you're more available. One of the benefits is you really, you might have a vision, but you really can understand from your stakeholders and people in the organization um, what what opportunities are there and what's on their hearts. And you really want that connection with your people, at least for me. Um, So I would say that. And then I'd say the third one is just the, sort of the role of setback and failure and suffering in leadership. And much like in the personal sense, uh, when you experience that from a leadership perspective uh, or even frustration, it has this way of sort of purifying your intention and resetting you and uh, galvanizing what your purpose is and remembering that your purpose, generally, if you're a good leader, is higher than any specific or individual goal that you have. It's to serve serve an organization or your people. And so I think through some of the things that we've been doing, succession planning and you know, planning for the future – I've had a little bit of that and really making sure that I'm crystal clear focused on serving uh, and moving the organization forward that way.
1: Yeah, I think those are some of the um, common challenges that leaders experience in the sense that especially you're super entrepreneurial like to do. It's hard Mm -hmm. to get out of that do-do execution mode and be able to pause enough because you're right. Your availability, your um being there and being present if somebody just approaches you i mean that's where you you know life happens in all these micro moments yes. right that's really where the culture is made in these Amen. one you know um spur the moment conversations yep. and are you available are you listening mm-hmm. are you Um, present enough to, you know, acknowledge somebody. It's really hard. Yeah,
0: and just, you know, Stephen Covey calls it the quadrant two time, right? Just Mm -hmm. enough time that you can think strategically, right? Not just always be reacting and running from one thing to the next. Yeah. So there's so many benefits from it, and it's just, you know...
1: So practically speaking... Because I'm working on this as well. I'm on a mission to make being busy the new smoking and being do nothing the new kale. I love it. I
0: love it. I'm in on the kale (laughs) program.
1: (laughs) But what, like practically speaking, do you schedule time to do nothing? Like, how do you remember to pause and be present?
0: Um still not strategic enough. Uh, I'm a spiritual person, so I spend a fair amount of time in prayer. Um, and I would say that that's been a big benefit. This weekend I'll actually be on a silent retreat. That's mm. you know, that's a big mm. moment for me once a year uh, that I do. But I would say from an organizational perspective, uh, i haven 't gotten really i uh, haven 't gotten that cadence really down. You can get in kind of meeting uh, prison so to speak if you 're sure. not careful and they 're not always necessarily productive so i 'm still working from a calendar and a scheduling standpoint what that looks like. Um, But I am integrating some things that just allow me to kind of rise above the fray and look back down on it and ask myself, am I focused on the right things?
1: Yeah. It is very much a journey. I don't think any of us perfect it. But I love the fact that you're aware of that Mm -hmm. and you're really working on it. And I think simply even small things that you can do and set the example Mm -hmm. for others in your office will go a really long way. I
0: appreciate the encouragement.
1: (laughs) Um, I love it. I love it. So I learned a lot. Let me just recap a little Mm. bit of the nuggets that I took away with. So what I like is that you guys are really – that you are really self-aware in terms of the foundational things that make Collier's special and using culture as a differentiator. Mm. And those include putting the client first – Putting team first, but also this very localized, personalized service. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that you don't want to lose those, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, and, but, but you are looking to be nimble and open to the future and what a diverse and inclusive culture would look mm-hmm. like, um, building on top of this really strong foundation that you have on purpose and values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a fair? <laughs> fair yeah. characterization
0: no, I think it's very fair. I think our industry is changing in you know, like many extremely fast right now, and uh you have to be prepared to adapt to it and uh, I think we're um we're really sort of bracing for that, but we already mm-hmm. have been a lot of the work has been done uh we have phenomenal women leaders throughout our organization uh we're investing in different spaces you know if you walked into our company and talked to five people. You probably would have a hard time even uh, thinking of us as a real estate company because Mm. we'd be talking about a lot of different things Mm -hmm. and we really are becoming advisors. Uh, to mm. our clients, and that's going to mean different things than just real estate already does for us. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, I love what you're doing. I love your whole approach and philosophy around leadership, and I wish you continued success as you grow. And I have no doubt that you and and your organization will be successful because you're building such a strong foundation.
0: Don't be surprised if we tap you on the shoulder at some point.
1: Step <laughs> <laughs> away, my friend. Lyle, it was such a pleasure. I learned so much. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. This was exciting. Thank This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast with our podcast partner, The Brimful Life with Beth Ridley. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.